0: Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Thursday,
1: July 8th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and the deadline for underclassmen to withdraw from the 2021 NBA draft came and went last night. It was a great night for UCLA. Johnny Juzek, who led the Bruins to the final four last season, announced that he is returning to Westwood for at least one more season. So that means. Every player who was a part of UCLA's Final Four run is back. Johnny Juzang, Jaime Heikes, Jules Bernard, Tiger Campbell, Cody Riley. It's five double digit scores from a Final Four team all returning. Meantime, the Bruins are adding five star wing Peyton Watson and Rutgers transfer Miles Johnson, the latter of whom, you know, averaged eight points and 8.5 rebounds for the Scarlet Knights last season. Mick Cronin is locked and loaded dead leg. I got the Bruins second in the top 25 and one behind only Gonzaga. Do you have a sense for how close to that you might have UCLA if you were dumb enough to spend your time ranking teams 50 million different times during the offseason?
0: Yeah, what would you do to yourself there, by the way? Like, you know, a few years back... Oh, we came up with the idea, which has benefited, no doubt, of you updating the top twenty-five and one every morning during the season, and it's an it's become a necessary evil. But it also, I, it brings a lot of attention to the site. People love rankings. Frankly, it gives you uh, endless amounts of agita. I'm I'm sure every single day with fan bases that you grow to hate more and more. But now, I mean, you're updating your rankings like three times a week. Now maybe we're gonna hit a lull spot here, but you did it to yourself.
1: My rule is that on the night of the national championship game, I post a preseason top twenty-five and one for the next season. Obviously, with projections just based on conversations I've had with coaching staffs, agents, NBA people, um, surveying mock drafts. Who is likely to to enter the draft and remain in it? Who is likely to? you know, return to school. And I I acknowledge up front, some of this is not going to be right. It's a projection made in early April, Um, but it's cool because it's, it's going to be mostly right. It always is. Uh, Every time I post that on the night of the national championship game, people say, well, you can't possibly do that. And I'm like, you can possibly do it. It it, it won't be exactly right, but it'll be pretty close. Uh, Your, your, your guesses are educated guesses on who's coming, who's going. And, and and they'll mostly be right and then you adjust when you need to adjust. So after that moment that's version 1.0 and then after that moment every time a player does something that runs counter to my current rankings and projections in a way that will impact the rankings I update. Here's version 2.0. Here's version 3.0. Here's version 4.0. And I think at this point we are up to version 17.0 after Aaron Wiggins announced that he is going to remain in the NBA draft and not return to Maryland. I had to adjust for that. I adjusted for that, dropped Maryland down to wherever I dropped Maryland, I think number 17. But Johnny Juzang's decision did not have any impact on UCLA because I always assumed he would be back in school. But we're at version 17.0, and we could reach mm-hmm. – still got plenty of transfers yes. who have to announce their destinations – I don't think it's crazy to think we could reach version 25.0 by the time it's ready to play basketball.
0: I feel like an Aaron Wiggins decision is worth like a 17.2. But if you want to keep going up 0.0, you do what you got to do. Here's the deal, though. I intentionally do not have not looked at your offseason rankings. I have the very first one, okay? I'm not going to look at these until we get to basically the the podcast like a few days before the start of the season, okay? I have your 1.0 in a Google document. The very first one you did the night of the title game, the day after the title game we released it. Okay? I'm going to go on on the day before the, the season starts. We're going to compare your final preseason ranking from your first one, just for fun, to see how much has changed. Now, don't go back and look at it between then. I was going to surprise you with this in November, but I'm letting the cat out of the bag now. So we're going to see just how much can change in an entire offseason beginning to end 1.0 versus 23.0 or wherever the hell we're going to be you know on November 6th fired up and you know what (laughs) I
1: don't think it'll change that much off the top of my head um, Texas has improved itself Kentucky has improved itself Um, Alabama has damaged itself but for the most part like I'm looking at version 17.0 right now like I think I had Gonzaga number two on that first night, yes. and now Gonzaga's number one. I had UCLA number one. Now UCLA's number two. Um, you know, Michigan, Duke, Baylor, they were all always supposed to be up there. I, it, it's different, but it's not as different as people like to insist it's going to be on the night that you post the initial version.
0: Well, it will be uh, interesting, and we'll get into some of those teams in a little bit here regarding player decisions, both on Wednesday, which is right up against the deadline for the NCAA stay or go, and then earlier in the week. But let's focus on Juzang and UCLA for a minute here. Um, it it's, It is it uh, is it is a bit interesting that we've landed at this point. Now, you always had Juzang coming back. The day after the, that UCLA lost in the in the Final Four... I believe that Zhang was going to go because I felt like his stock was never going to be higher than what it was coming off of just an absurd NCAA tournament performance. I mean, he's a vintage example of a player who stepped up, balled out, increased his, uh, not just his, his NBA stock, but just, you know... The general sports fan now knows who Johnny Juzang is because he plays for a Blue Blood program that made a Final Four run, and he had moments of just absolute absurdity in the tournament, and that was awesome. And oh, by the way, really gutted it out down the stretch there, uh, playing on a tender ankle. Now, quite obviously, the past few months of the the pre-draft process did not provide him with enough feedback that would... Uh, give him enough confidence that he wanted to go to the NBA. Now, whether or not, like, I think there's a chance he could have been selected late second round, uh, but he did not play himself into first round status, which there was some, you know, free and loose talk after the NCAA tournament run that he had turned himself into that. He had a wonderful season, an amazing late February all the way into March, but his return. Quite obviously sets him up to be a preseason first-team All-American. Uh, but you you get back Cody Riley as well. You mentioned Peyton Watson. UCLA has a really, really good team. Jaime Hawkes I think, will be terrific as well. I mean, he's right there with Johnny Jising, I think, overall in terms of how valuable he'll be next season. So uh, you and I would not doubt Mick Cronin to get UCLA back to the summit or close to the summit of the sport, with or without Johnny Juzang, but it is it is great to have him back, and I'll extrapolate on this a little more in the pod. But it did feel as though this time around, uh, college basketball players of some note that you don't even have to be a diehard fan of the sport if you just kind of watched here and there, January, February, March, and you're just kind of you know you're into college basketball even if you're not an absolute fanatic about it. We had a, a good number of players uh, choose to return to the sport which is a really good thing. The biggest among those players, though, at least the most well-known, uh, I would argue would be either Johnny Juzang or potentially Kofi Coburn, who we'll get into a little bit here. That, that's a really good thing and a great thing for UCLA. You've got them, too. You asked where you think I'd have them. I don't know yet. I mean, I won't really... I won't truly assemble that that ranking stuff, uh, my research for that, until you know late September, early October. I'll definitely have UCLA top five, no doubt about it. I, I do know that I really like what kansas has now uh it's built up a, a pretty uh, impressive roster and we still have to wait on transfer stuff with them but i think ucla has to universally be regarded gp i would say universally regarded as a preseason top five team and that is obviously not something that has been all that common for such a proud program uh for most of the past 25 years uh ucla has not entered the season most it has a couple of years but for the most part it doesn't enter a season as a top five team in the nation that will definitely be the case when we get to november
1: The point you make about Johnny Juzang being recognizable even to casual fans, I think, is important for the sport. You know, Luka Garza returned for last season and was going to be the consensus, unanimous preseason national player of the year. But he wasn't coming off of some incredible NCAA tournament run. He was just coming off of an incredible season at Iowa. Most people who don't follow college basketball did not know who he was. Yeah, I remember talking to... My friend and and colleague Jeff Calkins, who's a a longtime columnist, was with the, with now with the Daily Memphian. And he was like, I don't know who Luca Garza is. You know, I I was just curious, like, do you know who Luca Garza is? Like, if I say Luca Garza, does that matter to you? That was, this was in advance of last season. He was about to be the consensus national player of the year preseason. Jeff was like, I don't, I don't know. And I, I don't think that was unusual. Like, he just wasn't well known outside of the sport. What's interesting about this year is we've got, the top, at least according to my top 25-1, and the two top teams, Gonzaga and UCLA, they're both coming off Final Fours, and they're both returning, in theory, arguably, the best player from those Final Four teams. For Gonzaga, Drew Timmy, and for UCLA, Johnny Juzang. Um, If not probably, at least possibly both going to be preseason first-team All-Americans. There's no question with Drew Timmy, maybe Johnny Juzang. We can argue that later. But that's really key for the sport to, to, to be getting guys that people know, that people watch throughout March and early April play to be getting those guys back is, um, again, it's it's not a normal thing uh, for the sport, but, but it's going to be a thing heading into this season. Another thing that's not normal for the sport of college basketball is to return five double digit scores from a final 14 or have five starters back from a final 14. I would trivia time you, but I didn't know even how to start looking that up as I was prepping for this late last night. Uh, but I bet you're not going to find many examples in modern history where a Final Four team returned five double-digit scores or five mm. starters. Billy Donovan's Florida program is an obvious example. After the 2006 season, yes, uh, they they return, you know, their entire starting lineup, five double-digit scores and they go on to win their second straight national championship in 2007. Joe Kimnoa, Torian Green, Corey Brewer, Al Horford, Lee Humphrey. So that's an example. But returning five starters and five double-digit scores from a Final Four team is not something that happens often in this era. And I've been ranking UCLA very high, again, since the night of the national championship game. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say or read people tweeting, you know, If UCLA would have lost to Michigan State in the first four, you wouldn't even have them ranked. I, I hear it all the time. I see it all not the time. Not ranked? I that's mean... what people say. And like That's my initial point. First off, that's not true. If UCLA would have returned its entire team that made the NCAA tournament like it's doing, I would have had UCLA ranked even if it lost to Michigan State in the first four. So when people say that, they're simply wrong. But more than that, it's just a, a dumb thing to say. Like, how do you start an argument with somebody by saying, if this team would not have done the thing that it 100% did, you'd think differently about this team? Like, what? Oh, okay, sure, I guess. But that goes for literally every team in the history of teams. You know, would Baylor be remembered as the best team in college basketball last season if it hadn't beaten gonzaga imagine starting an argument with somebody going the only reason you think baylor was the best team in the country last season is because it won the national championship and beat gonzaga well yeah <laughs> you you're, you got me that that is exactly why i think that because they 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 beat gonzaga in the title game and won the championship um so i i don't even it doesn't even make sense right. to me that argument but also beyond that it's not that UCLA just got hot. Because I think this is what that's rooted in. UCLA just got hot in the NCAA tournament. Now you're overreacting to that. It's not just that UCLA got hot and made the Final Four. Although I acknowledge UCLA did undeniably get hot and make the Final Four. The Bruins also finished 13th at Kenpah. They finished 13th at Kenpah. So yeah, they were an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. I got it. But when all of the data was collected and after everything was done... Ken Palm labeled UCLA as one of the best 13 teams in college basketball last season. And where in the world are you supposed to rank a team that finishes 13th at Ken Palm, returns everybody, and adds a five-star freshman and a rotation player from a Big Ten team that made the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament? If you want to say UCLA should be number five instead of number two or number three or number four instead of number two fine, like, whatever. But there is nothing crazy about having UCLA, based on Johnny Juzang's return and the return of everybody else, there's nothing crazy about having UCLA number two heading into next season, and that's the only point I've ever tried to make.
0: Yeah, I think to be, I think, you know, I said a few minutes ago, I would say they should be universally regarded as a preseason top five team. That doesn't guarantee they're going to be in the top five once we get to March, but I think it's only... Objectively fair to evaluate them like that. Also taking into account the teams that would have ended the season top 10 level, what they do or do not bring back. Uh, if you have concerns about UCLA, you could point to the defense because they definitely had some issues with that last season. I would say Mick Cronin's history has strongly leaned to him being a, a quality defensive coach were improved last season versus his first season with UCLA, I would expect him to be even better again next season on defense while maintaining, you know, a top 15-level offense, I would think. Uh, as for Juzang specifically and him returning, I think the other question is, will he continue to ascend? Because i got to imagine that, that he and his family – uh, really had a, a long discussion about about doing this. Now, I do think he's got a wonderful... I think he is a, a, an ideal candidate for a player, you know, all-American, fringe draft pick, playing in a big school who can now profit off of NIL. Like, if I'm Johnny Juzang, I have to imagine... I have to imagine that Juzang and his family and, and representatives had, had discussions about where there could be areas for him to make some serious money this upcoming season. And by serious money... Obviously, I'm talking, like, at least six figures. The star player at UCLA on a Final Four team that's coming back, I think he'll have really good opportunities. And I'd I'd be interested to know from Johnny, and someone's going to ask this to him soon, I would think, uh, or by, you know, the preseason media day at the latest. Like, if the NIL stuff wasn't in place, would you have gone to the NBA? Yes or no? And if if the answer was, if there was no NIL, I was going to the NBA, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. But aside from all that, will he continue to ascend and be a quality player because he did bring his game up a significant notch in the tournament. Remember he was, he was a non-factor at Kentucky after entering uh, at Lexington as a, as a heralded recruit. And then last season he really gained steam as, as the, as the season went along. And then it just, it went to another level once he got to the NCAA tournament as a reminder, 23, 27, 17, 13, 28, 29 points. Uh, Those were his game totals once we got to the postseason. Prior to that, here's what they were. 9, 12, 18, 25, 6, a DNP, and then 12. He was a good player. He just wasn't the supernova that he was on the stage of the NCAA tournament. So uh, will he take that next step? If he does, that's why I would... That's the biggest reason. I think that he will, and that's why I would list UCLA somewhere in my preseason top five.
1: In the regular season, Johnny Juzang averaged... Um, or or for the entire season, rather. He averaged 16 points, 4.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists. In the NCAA tournament, he averaged 22.8 points, and he shot 50.9% from the field and 37.5% from three. He took it to another level in those last two games, which is where, because I remember it, a little differently than it actually is. I remember Johnny Juzang just being awesome throughout the entire NCAA tournament. Like that's not really true. He got 13 points in the sweet 16 win over Alabama. It, it wasn't like he just dominated mm-hmm. every game, but those last two games he played 28 points on 19 shots and the Elite eight win over Michigan. And then 29 points on 18 shots in that final four loss to Gonzaga. Those are the ones that, you know, made it where you don't have to be a college basketball fan to know who that dude is. Um, the point you make about name image and likeness being a thing now and and possibly playing a role in his return um i think can't be overstated like you you know when i talked to nba people in recent weeks especially after the combine they were like johnny juzang is not a first round pick he might not be a second round pick he's a two-way player You know, who probably spends most of next season in the G League if he wants to be a professional in this country. And given that reality, maybe in a different time you go, okay, fine, two way player, I'll take it. Let's go. I'm going to bounce between a G League team and an NBA franchise. You know, I'll be making a paycheck. I'm fine with that. But right now, I think you're right. Johnny Jusen can probably make more money playing at UCLA than he can playing anywhere else in this country next season. So it makes the decision, or at least it would for me, it makes it a little easier. When you are weighing, because this is a point I've made f- forever, if you are a college star at a prominent program who who doesn't project as an NBA star at the next level, you will never be You will never have the responsibility on a basketball court again that you have right now. In other words, Johnny Juzang heading into this season is going to be perceived as the best player on one of the best teams in the country playing largely in front of sold-out arenas and on national television. He'll never have that again. He'll never be the best player on his team again after he leaves UCLA Unless it's at a level below the NBA, I think that's a reasonable thing to suggest. So, man, if I'm telling you, do you want to play in empty G League arenas or packed Pac-12 arenas? Do you want to play on no television or national television? You know, nearly every game. Like if you're weighing all these options. What you want to be just another dude on a team or the best player on a team who gets all the shots? Like these things are all leaning one direction like I, I want to play college basketball that sounds a lot more fun the 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 the, the thing that it back the other direction it has often been but I can make money doing it over there I can make money being the seventh best player on a team at the professional level okay but now you can make money legitimately as the best team on uh, as the best player on a college team and I think that probably matters my question and we're going to find this out you know, everybody thinks they know, but it's just it's impossible to know until we we live through it and see. Are you better off because cause on one hand you'd go, man, Johnny Juzang, best player at UCLA in a market like Los Angeles? Woo, what kind of money he's gonna make? And and perhaps we'll find out a whole lot or not not as much as you think. We'll see. But I i I'm interested to find out where are you best positioned to actually cash in on your NIL rights. Is it in a market like L.A., or is it in a market like Lawrence, Kansas? You know, if we're talking about NBA players, you'd rather be in the big market than the small market. But if you're Johnny Juzang and you're trying to cash in strictly on name, image, and likeness, in Los Angeles, yes, you're the star basketball player at UCLA. But you're not LeBron James. You're not Anthony Davis. You're not Kawhi Leonard. You're not Paul George. You're not Mookie Betts. You know, like, there's a lot of things you're not in that market. You're way down the list. Whereas, you know, in East Lansing, you're the biggest deal in that region. What is more profitable? To be in a major market where you're not as important or to be in a college town where you're uh, the biggest thing in that area? I, I, I'm i not sure. But either way, we can both understand that Johnny Juzang is going to earn legitimate money in his next season at UCLA and you got to think that was at least a factor in his decision to return to UCLA which is just another great thing about name image and likeness rights. beyond the fact that it's right and good it also can help these sports keep borderline draft picks in school a year longer because you don't have to leave anymore if your goal is strictly to earn a legitimate
0: paycheck. So Juzang was the biggest uh, decision on Wednesday. We would agree with that. But there were a lot of other bigger decisions. You want to get into uh, the list and refresh our listeners on the names to know that are coming back and ones that are gone for good?
1: Yeah, we'll bounce through those names here in just a second. But first, check this out. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Johnny Juzang wasn't the only significant player to withdraw from the NBA draft in recent days. Deadleg, run us through the other dudes who matter to the sport.
0: All right, this is most of the names, I won't say all the names, that decided this week, essentially, uh, for the most part. Uh, I'll I'll start with the guys that are gone because there's very few. And normally this is how it goes, but I did feel like the number was smaller. So... um, Jose Alvarado leaving Georgia Tech, he's gone. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, as you mentioned, leaving Maryland, he's gone. The most impactful decision this week for a player that's gone that was considered somewhere in the 45-55, 50-50, 55-40 range would be Jason Preston, who got Ohio to the NCAA tournament. Really nice passer. He is gone. Uh, He had a workout with the Lakers on Wednesday and decided after that that this is indeed where he was going to He will bit, get drafted. Interesting prospect overall. Those are the only three players in recent days that were considered on the fence-ish who are not returning to college basketball. Everyone else I'm about to tell you right now is coming back. Uh, here are the players that are coming back and are going to come back to the programs that they were playing at last season. The biggest one that's coming back and for sure playing at the program he was last season Hunter Dickinson, remind the listeners, where do you have Michigan right now?
1: Uh, I believe fifth in the top 25 and one. Let me double check that. Yes. Wolverines fifth. They bring back Hunter Dickinson, Eli Brooks, and then Jawan Howard is enrolling the number one recruiting class in the entire country.
0: Indeed he is Hunter Dickinson. No doubt about it. will have a case to be a preseason first team, all American uh, him returning to Michigan, I think is a, is a big deal because not just of his skill. I mean, listen, I think he'll have a chance to really grow as a, as a sophomore here, but you play at Michigan. You play in the Big Ten. You want to talk about a player that's going to be among the like the five or six biggest names in the sport next season. I do think Hunter Dickinson will be one of those. Whether or not he's a top five player, I think he'll be a top five, six, seven name overall because I think he'll be a major factor on a national championship contending team. So he's coming back. Um, we talked about L.A., Isaiah Mobley is going to return to USC while obviously his brother Evan, who we featured on a a draft profile pod, he's going to be a top five pick. So he's obviously gone. But Isaiah Mobley returns to the LA area for USC. That's a really nice boon for the Trojans there. Also in the Pac-12, here was a a genuinely surprising one. Surprising so much that... um, the, the the staff here at uh, at CBS Sports we've been putting together uh, some draft stuff and for later this month and on draft night and we have to do like these little capsules on strength and weaknesses and I was assigned Marcus Bagley's so I hit up Bobby Hurley like last week and we just were kind of talking on Bagley and how his game will translate to the pros and all this kind of stuff. I thought he was gone. I thought he, I just didn't think that he was coming back. And so I think he was the most surprising decision of the past 24, 48, 72 hours, one way or the other. The fact that he not only came back, he's going to play at Arizona. Something weird happened there, by the way. Just real quick on this. Like, he obviously was coming back, right? And then it was like he's going to be in the transfer portal. And then four hours later, he's staying at Arizona State. But that's a big deal. I think he's actually got, he could be. The player who was like a quality player last year, GP, but if he gets stuff done that he needs to and grows, we could look up in February, and if you told me that Bagley was like a top three Pac-12 player of the year candidate, I would believe it. I just want quick thoughts on him because I thought his decision was certainly significant because of the fact that not only he's returning, but returning to an Arizona State program that could really use him.
1: No, most people thought, you know, he's, he's probably staying in the draft. But if he's not staying in the draft, then he's going to return to college and transfer from Arizona State. And instead, he decides to withdraw from the draft and return to Arizona State. Obviously, something changed there. I, I'm not interested in speculating on it, but I will remind you that name, image, and likeness rights is a thing right now. And it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world if somebody sat down with him and said, do you know how much money you can make um, legally by returning To Arizona State for one more year of college basketball, and those conversations, I would assume, can be eye opening. I mean, we just saw a situation uh, with Miami football. Do you see this story? Oh yeah, a booster is promising every scholarship player five hundred dollars a month. You know, hey, here's a contract five hundred dollars a month. I'm not just picking the starting quarterback or the starting or or the best uh, wide receiver. Everybody, if you're on scholarship, you could contracts on the table for you five hundred dollars a month. And that might not sound like much to somebody, but think about this for decades. Like, the big scandal in college sports has been like, oh, I wonder if that booster got him a car. Did you ever hear that booster got him a car? Well, $500 a month is a car. <laughs> you know, it's a nice car. I mean, now we just got boosters saying, I'll give everybody a car. If you're on scholarship at at, at Miami to play football, bring back the U. Like, this is going to be a thing. I love it, and I, 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 I would not be surprised if somebody made it very clear to Marcus Bagley there is real. You'll make more money playing college basketball next season than you'll play. Then you'll make playing basketball at the professional level, whatever level, next season. And what's more fun to be again one of the best players, if not the best player, on a team in the Pac-12, or just being a guy on another team somewhere below the NBA level? You know, the, the, I don't. Hunter Dickinson mentioned this as a as a factor in his decision to return to Michigan. I don't know that it's true, completely true in every case where somebody says it because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hunter Dickinson, like if we're just being honest, he can say, yeah, name, image, and likeness rights is a real reason I came back. And you go, okay, I believe you. But, like, another reason is, like, you, were you going to be
0: picked? Right. It's a way of shielding <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, no yeah. doubt. You can shield your reality of, like, what your chances of actually getting picked were. It's 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 a convenient thing now. It'll be true in some cases, but I hear right. what you're getting at Yeah,
1: now. no, I know. I think it's true in some cases. And I do think it it, it tilts the seesaw, if you will, mm-hmm. in, in some cases. like, okay, I, you know, they're telling me I might get picked in the 50s, but maybe not at all. And definitely not in the first round. But, you know... Uh, I could still end up in the G League and make a paycheck. And, okay, yeah, you could do that. And and in different years, you might. But you could make a bigger paycheck playing college basketball. Just play college basketball and be awesome. Uh, I I do think it's a a factor. Is it the largest factor for some of these players? Maybe not. But I do think it's a factor. And that's another great thing for college basketball. We've been talking for years. How do we keep the borderline draft picks in school? We don't have to keep Zion – Williamson in school that's absurd to think that you could don't have to keep John Morant in school another year it's absurd to think that you could but but can you keep Jared Harper in school like that's 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 the guy you should be able to keep in school and with name image and likeness rights now a reality it appears to me what we found out with this draft is you can keep the Jared Harper's in school. A lot of Jared Harpers, if you will, stayed in school this season.
0: Yeah, that's a really good thing for college basketball. I mean, I got a few more names to get to you here that I think, you know, it's, it's, I'll say this before I get the rest of these names, I will say this GP, I wonder if you agree with this. So in many off seasons, be it right after the final four ends or when we're, you know, compiling our list of a top 101 players in the sport, or we're just doing general preseason stuff, there's always interesting players, really good players returning, but there are some, there have been some off seasons, certainly in the past decade where I've looked and I've been like, like, I remember sometimes we'd make our top 101. And by the time we got to like, even like 28, 29, 30 on the list, while they were good players, I'm like, man, is this dude really like, is he really going to be the 27th best player in college basketball? Is that what the sport's going to be this season? I'm on the other side of this this season. I think we've got a lot of really good, compelling talent, and that will translate then to maybe similarly you would have an opinion on this where when you make your preseason top 25 rankings and you get to like – I remember sitting with you after Final Fours in years past where we would be at like 22, 23. I'd be like, this team is disgusting. Like, yeah. there's I, This team has no business being in the top 25 heading into the season. Then once you play it out, like it all certainly makes sense to me. Like it feels like with these guys returning, there really is like, you know, 35, 36, 37 teams that sh- that have a that have a case for top 25 status. Would you agree generally with what I'm what I'm putting out there for you? Uh,
1: yes. In most years, I get to 23 or something like that and I go, "All right, I, who who I, I got to get to 26. How do I get there?" This year, I can honestly tell you like I don't have a problem getting to 26. I feel sometimes like I've left a a worthy team out. Um Like I've got roster breakdowns of maybe five or six other teams that aren't in the top 25 and one that I feel like could reasonably be ranked if I went to 31 or 32 or 33. Um, But I'm leaving those teams off right now because I I had to cut as opposed to stretch. And I think the same thing um, when it comes to putting together a list of players or All-America teams. Uh, How about this? Trivia time. Okay. Act excited when I say trivia time. You used to. I, in the just, in no, the beginning, I'm, 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 it, in the beginning, you okay, would get excited okay, okay, at okay. those words. Let's do it. In the beginning, you would get excited with those words, but now you seem less enthusiastic. I'm
0: enthusiastic. Let's go.
1: Trivia time. Okay, there are, we put together a first team, second team, and third team All America team last at the end of last season. Fifteen players. Four of those players are back in college. That's not normal. Like in some years, it's mm-hmm. one. Maybe two, and who are they? Sometimes that's the trivia time. I know. Name the four players who were on, who were among the fifteen players on our All American teams last season, who were back in school.
0: Uh Kofi Coburn. That's a correct answer. Remy Martin. Incorrect answer. Incorrect. Not- we did not have Remy that high. Um, Kofi Coburn, by the way, was second team. Did we have Drew Timmy third team? First team. First, first t- team. Last year.
1: Remember, we do this in advance of the Final Four, but after the Elite Eight, and Drew Timmy through that NCAA tournament. It was clearly Gonzaga's Sorry. best yep. player. I,
0: I, I crossed my wires there. Yep. Okay. Um. All right. So we're at two, and I need two more. Mm. We went with... Did we go with... We had to go with Juzang at that point.
1: We didn't. He, I told you. He wasn't... Uh Woo! Yeah. Like, his big, like game like he was not good in the elite eight he only had 13 points and then and then he had the big he had the big um or he was not great in the sweet 16 and yes. then he was great in the elite eight and then great in the final four but we we stopped we did this just before he had the big game against gonzaga all right i
0: th-
1: I uh, was though actually surprised when i went back and looked at it last night that Juzang wasn't first all right i know
0: team. one of them for sure is asmus we That's put asmus 13 did we not
1: Yes, we did.
0: Yeah, okay. So we need one more that's returning that we had as an all-American. That's back. Um Give me Is this gettable? Yes,
1: we've already talked about this player.
0: On this podcast. Yes. Dickinson. That's right.
1: Hunter Dickinson was third team. The four players who were our CBS Sports All Americans last season, who are going to be back in school uh, Drew Timmy, Gonzaga, first team. Kofi Coburn, we don't know where he's playing. I'll get to that. But he he was a second team All American. It it ain't often you can get a second team All American in the transfer portal. But here we are. Hunter Dickinson was third team. Max Asemus was third team. And that was another significant decision from Wednesday night, Max A. Smith withdrawing from the NBA draft. He averaged 24.5 points for Oral Roberts last season. I remember you and I talking about it in advance of putting together these All-American teams. Like, it's very easy to be dismissive of somebody scoring like that at the mid-major level. Whether you should be dismissive of it or not, it's very easy to go, ah, hey, yeah, they're doing that against these schools for that school. You know, what, what what does it really matter? But then you see him go to the Sweet 16. He gets 29 points in a win over Ohio State, 26 in a win over Florida, 25 in a Sweet 16 loss to Arkansas, and you go, okay, well, it, it turns out this guy could do this against anybody, and that is why he started to get you know, some first-round buzz connected to his name. Um, but – and Chad Ford tweeted this last night. I don't know if you if you saw this longtime uh, NBA draft uh, analyst. He, he said Max Smith got some first-round buzz after a huge NCAA tournament, but his stock came crashing down to earth at the Combine where he measured small, tested as the worst athlete among guards, and struggled with his shot in the five-on-five. Five. So – I'm assuming he got, you know, the feedback that suggests you're not quite ready to play in this league right now. And oh, by the way, you might not ever be, you know, you, we'll see, but you might not ever be. You know, if you, if you uh, test unathletically and you're little, it's a hard, it's a, it's hard to overcome at the NBA level. So, so we'll see. But that doesn't mean he can't be a great college player. And, if I were putting together a first-team All-American preseason team, Max Aisman from Oral Roberts would be one of my guards. Do you, like? If I were putting together an All-American team right now, here's because I, I did it last night, and I struggle with the final spot or so, but here's what I would do. Max Aisman, Oral Roberts at one guard. Johnny Juzang, UCLA, at another guard. Paulo Benquero at Duke would be on my team. Drew Timmy, uh, Gonzaga, would be on my team, and he'd be the preseason national player of the year. And then I think Kofi Coburn, who is to be determined, but that has me leaving off Hunter Dickinson, and that's obviously tough. But just like we were talking about earlier, like I've, I'm not having to stretch to find the five players. I'm having to cut really good guys. Some other names that I think could reasonably be considered as I was just sort of bouncing through rosters, Colin Gillespie, Villanova, Remy Martin, Kansas, Andrew Jones, Texas, Kellen Grady, at Kentucky, E.J. Liddell, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Kyle Lofton, St. Bonaventure, Trevion Williams, Purdue, yeah. Armando Bacot, North Carolina, Kevi Aluma, Virginia Tech, again Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga, a lot of, a lot of either really interesting prospects, or. Already established, experienced, you know, accomplished, uh, you know, veteran in you know college basketball players. Like there's some, there's some, there's some interesting college basketball talent returning to college basketball next season. It's, it's, it's. I, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm ready for the season because I'm not. I'm ready for another vacation. You are, but not, you
0: are not ready for the season.
1: <laughs> but, but no, show. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the season. I like. I how about this? I can't wait to go on another vacation and lay there and think about the season.
0: <laughs> okay, well, if you want to do that, <laughs> knock yourself out. I will change this right now. My early, This is early straw poll. One-person straw poll. Give me. I'm not going to put Coburn there because I don't know where he's playing, but give me Dickinson, Timmy. I love Travion Williams for next season. Yep. Hold me to it. I will put him on my preseason first team. And then... I guess Juzang and Gillespie, but i got to think more on that. I, I, Ace Miss is certainly worthy of consideration. That's that's an that's an early reading on that. But, yes, Ace Miss returning and returning. To, I'm going to get to the transfers in a second. The guys who are returning but transferring. But, like, Ace Miss is a player who, in deciding to return, if he wanted to transfer, we're talking, like, top three transfer in the country. And he's going to stick it out with Oral Roberts. Big-time coup for that program, which will have... Visions and hopes of returning to the NCAA tournament because he is coming back. Let me read off a few more big time decisions that came down. Another surprising one, not a shock, but relatively surprising because a lot of people thought he was gone was Terrence Shannon. Mark Adams gets a huge boost. He's going to return to Texas Tech last season. uh, Shannon was uh, a quality player, 12.9 points, 4.0 boards. Not a really good shooter. I was told that's basically what it came down to. Um, Needs to improve the shooting, and if he can, he will become an NBA draft pick. There's a shot he could have been picked overall as well, but was going to drift into the 50s if that was the case. He returns. That's big time for Texas Tech. The best one-two punch, we got Ron Harper and Geo Baker both back at Rutgers, do you have Rutgers in your rankings? I do not. Okay. I would say that with them returning, probably deserve to be top 30. Are they in that group of five to seven on the outside looking in?
1: Yes. In fact, there was a time where I did have Rutgers ranked, but then they lost personnel. I, I know Miles Johnson was one of them. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure who else. But there was there was something that happened between version 1.0 and version 17.0 that pushed them a little bit on the wrong side of things.
0: Both getting Harper and Baker back is big because it's also, it's it's Rutgers basketball, and is doing a great job there, but those are two recognizable, really uh, big names in the area, particularly where I live here in the Northeast, that you get them back big time. Not a surprise, but a good boost for Florida. Colin Castleton, he's another big that's coming. A lot of big men of importance coming back. Colin Castleton, sneaky first-team SEC player next year, in my opinion. Few more that matter. How about we go to the American? Kendrick Davis... Know the name. He's going to be huge next year. He had 19 points, 7.6 assists, 4.2 boards last season for SMU. He's returning to SMU. That is arguably as important of a returning decision to a single program. It's on an ace-miss type level there. So he comes back. Uh, Musa Cisse is coming back, but he's going to transfer. If I have that correctly, right, GP?
1: That's right. He is return. He withdrew from the draft wisely, and it- but is in the transfer portal, and there is. N- no expectation among the people that I've talked with that he's going to return to Memphis. He's going to transfer to another institution.
0: Tyson Etienne is the other one in the American going back to Wichita State. He could be the league player of the year if it's not Kendrick Davis or someone else, but he's a really, really good player. He decided to come back. And then a couple more EJ Liddell wasn't yesterday, but decides to come back to Ohio State. Big time for the Buckeyes. They'll remain in your top twenty-five preseason rankings as they should. Uh, Liddell is is a small big, if you will, but that's a significant decision for them after losing Washington and then uh, Julian champenny returning to St. John's, and then the other one returning and staying at the school. Ochai Abaji goes back to Kansas. Now I was told that Kansas was expecting Abaji to to either you know if he was coming back he wasn't you know coming back to Kansas, or he was going to just stay in the in the pool. That's not it. I actually think Ochi Abadji, we could look up in a, a year here. Less than a year, because next year's draft will be June. I think he could, if he really hits next season, we're talking top 15 pick if it all comes together there. Kansas is loaded. I mean, they have Remy Martin coming in. Uh, Joseph uh, Yasufu, who played for Drake last season. Abadi comes back. Jalen Wilson is coming back. Christian Brown. McCormick's back. Lightfoot's back. Um... I don't think they will have room. I actually don't think they're going to have room for a scholarship. Now let me scoot this in and and segue to the guys that are coming back or transferring. So one of the most important ones is Remy Martin, who's coming back, transferring from Arizona. He's going to Kansas. The other one that's coming back but transferring that had Kansas on his list is Marcus Carr. I don't think Kansas is going to have the room. Marcus Carr was a high-volume player for a bad Minnesota team. My guess is he'll go to Texas. That's just a guess, but I, I, if you made me pick among the few schools he's considering, he is a very very important like he could just be a a baller stud next season. So he's coming back transferring. Other players that are either transferring or maybe transferring, we mentioned Musa Sise. You've got Ace Miss's teammate Kevin O'Banner also very good in that run for Earl Roberts, coming back transferring. Not this week, but last week, Jaden Shackelford, we mentioned him, Alabama. I think losing him actually dings the, the tide. And then two more big men. Dawson Garcia coming back, still considering Marquette. Immense buzz that he is going to go to North Carolina. UNC will be completely intriguing in year one under uh, Hubert Davis. I would think that Garcia is going to go to Carolina. And then lastly, we'll finish up with a huge name here. Kofi Coburn is coming back. But two of his former coaches, assistants at Illinois, Orlando Tigua and Chin Coleman, are now on staff at Kentucky. Kentucky's interesting because it has Oscar Sheebway. You can't really, not that you can't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to play both Coburn and Sheebway. Is Coburn going to go to Kentucky? If he does, how does that affect their roster? Will he choose to return and play for his coach, Brad Underwood? Will he go somewhere else? He's in the portal. Completely fascinating decision because he well could be a top five player in the sport next season if he lands in the right spot and continues to produce, so he is coming back. That's a laundry list of guys, a lot of them really, really good. Really good news for college hoops this week with the amount of talent and 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 knowable names in the sport returning, and now as we wait waiting to see where these guys are going to go, plenty of interesting in-the-portal decisions, but to me, none bigger, more intriguing then what happens with Coburn uh, and whether or not he's going to return to Champaign, go to Lexington, or maybe somewhere else. We'll have to wait and see on that. One quick bit of news, by the way, that came out early Thursday morning. Small thing, but kind of a cool thing. It was announced that there's going to be a Jumpman Invitational. These are all Jordan brand schools that's going to be played in Charlotte. Uh, the first one is for next year. It's going to start in December of 2022. Men's and women's teams from Michigan... North Carolina, Florida, and Oklahoma have agreed to a three-year contract where those schools will play each other in a round robin year by year by year. So um, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Oklahoma, part of the Jumpman Invitational, another quality, non-conference opportunity for College Hoops, which I think is pretty good. Yes, it's on a neutral court, but you have big-time schools involved in this in men's and women's basketball. It's a pretty cool, fun deal there for some of the biggest brands in College Hoops that will start again in 2022.
1: Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Harvey Thomas, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for Listen to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave a, a review. Type some nice words. It takes twenty seconds. We sit here and talk about transfers for fifty minutes. Surely you can take twenty seconds and give us a five star review and type some nice words. That's all we're asking. Either way, we appreciate you, and we're gonna to talk to you again real soon. Till then. Take care.
0: What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner, the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. I now,
1: did. it is a dude average. average 29 and 11. It. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.